Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. This month, Yumiko introduced six new mesh tones available for all personalized pieces. And as a summer celebration, Yumiko is offering a special in-store discount to our New York City listeners. Show that you are subscribed to Conversations on Dance at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your in-store purchase. Visit yumiko.com for store hours and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to stay up to date. Special thanks to the town of Vail for their support of the Vail Dance Festival and Conversations on Dance live podcast recordings. This episode was recorded at the Manor Vale Lodge. Take part in the Vail Dance Festival from wherever you are. On Monday, August 9th, 2021, enjoy a live stream of the festival's closing evening, Now Premieres. Featuring world premieres of works created at the festival, including the work discussed in this episode, the full evening will be available to stream on Vail Dance Festival's YouTube channel for a week. Be sure to follow Vail Dance Festival on social media for more information. Welcome, everyone. It's our last final for our festival forums, our final festival <laughs> forum. My name is Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. Rebecca and I both dance for the Miami City Ballet. Now we host the podcast, Conversations on Dance. It's been such a, a wonderful year here at the festival. Um, we've, we've been recording these episodes almost every morning, and today is it's a little bittersweet because it's our last one. But uh, we have some people that we need to thank, namely uh, Tom Boyd, who's been our sound Ooh. engineer this Yay, almost Tom. this whole time, mm-hmm. and for several years prior. We couldn't do without you, Tom. <laughs> yes, and we want to thank everyone at the festival, really, for making this happen. It was just so magical. We'll talk about it with you guys, but it's been such a pleasure for us. It's great to see live dance back, and I'm sure you guys all feel the same way. Um, so while we were here, including these live events, we um, recorded 18 episodes with some of your favorite festival. <laughs> so there's more to come, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts or check out our website. We have some cards at the front with more information. So today we are joined by two festival favorites, Lil Buck and Lauren Lovett. Thank you guys for coming out bright and early to talk to us. Thanks for having us. us. Yeah, thank you. 
So let's just talk for a second about what it's like to be back on stage after nearly a year and a half off for most everyone. Go ahead, Lauren, if you want to start. Mm. I didn't even know I missed the stage as much as I do Mm -hmm. until coming here. Yeah. And it was really my first performance with the Moves Tour, Mm -hmm. the In the Night in Pictures and Exhibition, where I really felt it. Mm -hmm. And I... I think I told almost every person that I encountered after the show, I'm not done dancing. <laughs> I miss this. And there's something that I forgot um, being in the virtual world. And that's been wonderful. I've been able to reach a lot of people mm-hmm. and connect in a lot of ways. But there's something that happens on stage. It's very different. And um, it's sacred. Mm-hmm. So I... I, I will never take that for granted again. Yeah, yeah. Um, How about you, Buck? It's the same. I'm glad you brought that up because um, while, you know, during this year off uh, from last year and um, the whole, you know, uh, COVID situation, um, I was blessed enough to stay busy um, with work, but it was more so on the writing and producing and all of these different things. But um, I just miss... I never knew that I would miss, you know, collaborating with people so much. I know I'm a huge lover of collaboration, but I I really miss that interaction mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, actually learning from other people, you know what I mean, in, in dance. And um, and that's one of the strongest things about uh, about Vail. And one of the, you know, biggest things that I take away from being here in Vail is to, the ability to be, to be able to collaborate with different artists and, and learn from them in such a short period of time and also carry that relationship on outside of Vail, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I missed it so much, and it just it just feels good to be back. Yeah. So you've both done a lot during this time, and we'll talk about some of your more recent projects in a little bit, but I want to kind of rewind right to when everything was starting to get canceled. I'm sure you were both getting all those emails. We've talked to a lot of dancers, one right after another. So what were some of the first projects that you decided to kind of, like, pick up and play with during this time? For me, it was a choreography job. Mm-hmm. I I went online and I did a virtual choreographic class of sorts where mm-hmm. I had to make a dance for the School of American Ballet students mm-hmm. of the summer program and find a way to unite them when they weren't in the same place. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was a great opportunity to get them to converse with each other, to feel mm-hmm. like they were a part of a program, even though they, I mean, that's not the same we're used to going somewhere for five weeks or so, and you get to have friends and meet people oh, yeah. and feel like you're a part of something bigger. And so that felt like the right opportunity for me to come back into. Um, but then, I mean, that was still months after right. lockdown. Right. So I took a significant amount of time off personally. Yeah. I needed to rest. I was so tired. I was yeah. so burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, you had made your uh, debut in Odette Odile in yes. Swan Lake like five minutes before, yes. so you <laughs> deserved a break. I had the hardest <laughs> season I've ever encountered at New York City Ballet just before lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Peck had just uh, undergone an injury, right. and so I, I got to do all these roles that I had never had the chance to do before, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to turn those down. Mm-hmm. I was also learning Odette Odile. And I, I worked every second of the day. Yeah. And then I, I went to D.C. actually with Buck the day after our season ended. Worked with Damien on a project that I did day of. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I took a train uh, back to the city to work with ABT Studio Company immediately after that. The very next day I started mm-hmm. working with them. 
And so I, I took no breaks during right. that time. I didn't want to turn down opportunities. I, I'm grateful in a sense that I did all of those things. I really am. Right. That became La Folia Variations. American Ballet Theater took that on tour this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be in their gala, I think, in the fall. Wow. And so I'm so glad that I had that I, I forced myself to work those six days and yeah. to create that work and everything yeah. that came out of that was beautiful. But when lockdown happened, I'm a pretty empathetic person. Yeah, the world was shutting down. My personal life was a little bit uh, unsteady, mm-hmm. and I just needed time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. I took it. Okay. I took a lot of breaks. That's good. Well deserved. <laughs> That's <laughs> Much true. Deserved. Yeah. What were some of the things that you first started working on, Buck? Um. Actually, one of the things I first started working on was it didn't involve movement at all. It mm-hmm. was, it did, but it didn't at the mm-hmm. same time. So um, I have a company called Movement Art Is, and with my with the co-founder John Bugs, uh, he was here in Vail actually mm-hmm. once yeah. before. Yeah, and um, we're working on. Uh, we had a show that we toured um, before, you know, pre-COVID. We toured um, this show called Love Heals All Wounds. And it it did, you know, amazing. And um, it got the attention of the public theater in New York. So um, we've been, you know, one of the first things I got into was um, writing, the writing process and uh, writing the story for this show that we're cultivating with the public theater in New York. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's different. <laughs> it's, it's very different because I'm so used to just being out there performing and to just be on the other side of the spectrum and um, just writing and, you know, coming up with all these ideas and making this whole story from scratch right. because we want to make something new and fresh from what we've been touring before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, been, it's been a blessing and it's been a, a very good learning experience. So um, that's one of the first things I, I started getting into and, um, and just working on my own short films that I haven't released yet. I've been just trying to stay busy mentally when I couldn't get out there and do things physically. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's one of the major things that I'm pretty proud of that, you know, and I'm happy we kept going through, you know, during the times that I couldn't actually dance and perform, you know, in person. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I'm excited about that because we start the first workshop for that show with the public in uh, October 25th. Wow. I saw that there was a casting note on your Instagram. Is that for the same thing? I just oh, wanted no, to know if you'd like to plug it. Oh, I was so, going to let you plug it. No, but that <laughs> casting call is for, that's something I'm extremely proud of because I've been working on this for about three years and it's finally coming into fruition. And um, I'm working on a Memphis Jukin torch show uh, similar to the Love Hills All Wounds show that I toured. So um, I was inspired by that show that you know I choreographed and directed and I decided to do something for the, you know, the city of Memphis. And, you know, I've always, you know, told people that there wasn't a lot of opportunity coming from Memphis, where I was from, as far as dance. And I had to actually go out of Memphis and move to California to actually start to create opportunity for myself. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of diamonds in the rough in Memphis and people that Mm -hmm. don't that have so much talent in Memphis, but just not enough opportunity to be able to shine. And I wanted to help create that for the youth back in Memphis because, you know, I, I hold that dear to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just love and have so much respect for, you know, what I've learned coming out of the city. So I wanted to give that opportunity to the youth. And um, I'm creating a Memphis Jukin show 
uh, that will be touring and giving uh, a lot of dancers in Memphis, um, you know, an opportunity to experience dance in a professional, you know, manner and get, be able to tour and have that experience as a professional dancer and, mm-hmm. and be paid as a professional dancer. So it's one of the main things that I'm proud of. And I've been working on that as well. That nice. sounds incredible. Uh, Buck, I'm, I'm curious what, um, during the initial lockdown, what was your kind of um, way of staying in shape? We all saw ballet dancers in their kitchen doing bar. Like, what does that look like? Uh, okay. <laughs> this is, uh, that's funny, actually, because um, I didn't, although I didn't post any videos of me doing bar, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, there were times I, I, I did a little bar on the kitchen counter oh, with, nice. my, with my wife. I'm married now, if you didn't know. But Woo. my wife was a ballet dancer, you know, for a long time. So um, we've been working out together in the living room. We've been doing yoga together. Um, you know, she's really big on yoga, and I'm just really big on working out in general. <laughs> so um, she's been taking, like, I watched this guy named Chris Harrier's, like, YouTube channel where he just has these amazing, just crazy workouts. And she's been doing some of the workouts with me, and I've been doing some yoga with her. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I've been trying to stay fit as as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> stars, they're just like us doing <laughs> yeah. things at home in their kitchens. Um, so, Lauren, let's shift gears for a second and talk about your decision that shocked the world uh, to leave the New York City Ballet. But we're so happy to know that you will continue to be dancing. So, tell us just briefly what kind of led to that decision, and if the pandemic played a role, if at all, in that um, life-altering decision. Uh, it definitely played a role. I had time to think. Uh, I, I work 24-7, as I told you. No days off. <laughs> I love what I do. Um, but with space and a little bit of time, I realized all the things that I want to do in my career, mm-hmm. the ways I want to grow as a dancer. Um, at the time when I made the decision, I was thinking, uh, I, was, I was still battling with the stage. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep dancing on stage. I love the other side. I love choreography. I love um, working with students. I love... Um, just all the behind the scenes work that goes into doing what we love. And I wasn't really sure about the stage. That was one piece. Mm -hmm. Um, But my, my reason to leave really came from um, a lot of deep searching. I did a lot of writing too. And I realized that most of my reasons for staying were fear based. Mm -hmm. And the things that I really wanted to do for myself were out on the outskirts. Right. And I wanted to do something brave. So I, what I've realized here, I've been working on some classical repertoire and working with different um, artists, different dance styles. And I think that's where my heart is. Mm. I want to start pushing my boundaries as a dancer and not being bound to the same season schedule mm-hmm. yeah. with the same ballets and the same people and eating at the same places. And mm-hmm. I creatively, I know that if I want to make the kinds of work I want to make, I have to travel. I have to see things. I have to be influenced by other people. Yeah. And so I'm, it is such a, such a bold move to make during a pandemic, especially. Mm-hmm. I know that. Um, but I'm also that kind of a person where once I feel something or once I know something, I can't not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I can't do the half in half out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't do one toe in the door, but really my heart's over here. Yeah. And, um, 
So, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes we talk with, um, female choreographers and people will say, you know, maybe that's one reason why we don't have so many female choreographers because they're just so busy with the day to day with the company. Do you feel like that kind of plays into that a little too? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm always sewing shoes and I'm always (laughs) learning choreography and I'm in rehearsal all day long. And, um, that's absolutely part of it, but, Mm. um, yeah, I think one of the things that I, I'm really passionate about and inspired by right now is to get more female choreographers interested in choreography. And I think in order to do that, you have to start a little younger, mm-hmm. um, especially in ballet. We don't improvise. It's not we get told that there's a beautiful and not an ugly, but a right and a wrong mm-hmm way of making shapes from a very young age. And so you might have these little kids that come in wiggling around and they feel completely free creatively. (laughs) (laughs) Buck is raising his hand. (laughs) I was a wiggler. There you go. (laughs) Still am. (laughs) You still are. And then um, they get put into a class Mm -hmm. and they get shaped. And it's a beautiful thing to see because there's so much work that goes into it. And, and I, I, I very much value that. Mm-hmm. I, I love classical ballet. I really do. It takes a lifetime to master. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful and so worth preserving and keeping around. But there is something that happens, I think, with young students especially, where they start to get boxed in. They're in front of a mirror. They, they, they stop having their own trust in their own movement and their own voice. And they, they need somebody else to say, you're doing well. That was beautiful. Keep that. Move your arm a little lower. That's nice. Now the thumb in. And they, they get really, really bound up, especially the women. Mm-hmm. And um, I started teaching choreography classes over COVID. And I was doing it virtually. And I had, I had ages 7 to 16 in my classes. And we just started trying things mm-hmm. and, and using like the left brain, the right brain going, I, I learned ways to choreograph even for myself, like going about it in an intellectual sense and giving them exercises to do so that the kids that maybe didn't feel as comfortable doing an intuitive movement style could participate in mm-hmm. the class in a way that felt productive and useful. Mm-hmm. And then I could, I also use the, the other side. Okay. We're going to think of a color and, mm-hmm. and now what, what does this music make you feel? And, and things like that. And, and it taught leadership skills. I I'd have kids choreographing on each other and not a whole ballet because that's, mm-hmm. I feel like this is what we have in dance. It's maybe around age 14, 15, you have a choreographic program where they say, okay, you can sign up like I did, and make a ballet. And the only reason I did that was because I read a self-help book that said, do something scary. (laughs) And I wouldn't have done that otherwise. I wouldn't have thought that I had creative ideas that way. I wouldn't have signed up. I know I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about that for the future generations, I want to start instilling. So I'm I'm working on a curriculum right now, actually. This is super Um, interesting. You know, especially in ballet, um, we hear a lot from choreographers who it's all learning on the job. You don't often get to go to like composition class, maybe in a university. So I'm curious, what, how, where is this program and how did you get involved? (laughs) I, well, I I started it online and it was only because a teacher I very much respect, Dina Abergale, reached out to me and um, I was 
doing nothing at the time. I was saying no to everything. I was resting. (laughs) And she called me and she said, you know, Lauren, I have this group of kids and they've been reaching out to me. A lot of them are interested in choreography. Their parents want to put them in something, but they don't know where to find that. I, she was very kind. She said she couldn't think of a better person to do it and it should be me. And I said, I don't know if that's me. But I agreed, and I'm so glad I did, because I every day I'd get into class with those kids, I'd see their confidence right, like rise a mm-hmm. level. And I realized if we want more women leaders, if we want more female choreographers, they have to practice. Mm-hmm. And um, how, how do you really practice those things in dance? Right. Right. And I just thought it would be a, a huge asset to schools everywhere, especially the, the schools that can afford it, the major mm-hmm. yeah. um, ballet companies. So I started working on a way of doing that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. I'm so. curious, Buck, uh, for your work, did you ever have any sort of composition class or like now as someone who creates work, do you ever mentor someone in kind of like the way that Lauren is now? Yes, it's, it's mostly the, the, the students and I have students and, um, uh, young kids back in Memphis, back at home that I try to mentor because I've learned so much throughout my my whole journey in dance, you know, um, being away from the city for so long and, and being able to be blessed enough to travel and tour and have these experiences like this one in Vail. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I often go back and I was doing a lot of like online classes as well through Zoom and working with some of the youth in Memphis and working with... Um, you know, the LYE Academy and working with, um, you know, Sub Roy Studios back in Memphis. These are all studios that a lot of kids go to to learn, you know, dance and, and Memphis Jukin, which is a big style in, in Memphis now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been great. And it's been amazing to see the next generation, you know, so open to dance now in Memphis. Because mm-hmm. back when I was growing up, it was abnormal for some, for a kid from where I'm from to, even be interested in anything other than street dance or, you know, even to be interested in ballet or to be interested in contemporary dance or anything else that were, um, you know, brought in their horizons and movement. And um, now to see the next generation in Memphis so open to that, uh, just, you know, from seeing my experiences and seeing how far I've gone, uh, it's, been, it's been brilliant. So I always try to give myself as much as I can to, to the city. So I've been doing a lot of classes uh, online during the COVID uh, and the pandemic and working with Red Bull, um, teaching classes as well um, to a lot of the youth. So um, yeah, I've been, I've been doing some classes. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in the future, I really wanna be like Lauren and, and, <laughs> and start, you know, and really start working on curriculum and cultivating mm-hmm. different ways. I'm actually, Actually, that will end up happening because I'm opening a, a school called the Memphis Jukin Arts Academy downtown Memphis. Amazing. And it's under construction right now. <gasps> wow. What an so, incredible feat. <laughs> I've just been really busy with all of these different projects, but um, I always try to find time to, to think about, you know, what's going to happen and how I'm going to have this mentorship program and how I can bring people like Lauren out and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, to, uh, you know, keep the kids, you know, just interested in dance in general and not just, you know, just one style of movement. So, right. um, 
So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. So for both of you, um, I wonder what kind of creation you started doing. You're obviously both creators. What were some of the projects that you started working on a little bit further into the pandemic? And did you feel that the, um, like once we could be together again, you know, did you feel like those restrictions were a challenge for you or did you find them kind of interesting to work within the parameters of our new normal? I did some fully virtual choreographic things. Mm -hmm. That was very difficult, Mm -hmm. especially for me. I had to use my voice instead of, I couldn't show. Right. And that was difficult to try to explain partnering steps Mm. to dancers who are overseas Mm. is very difficult. (laughs) So in this situation, Mm. I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, are you, you're by yourself and then the dancers are together? Yes. One, once... I did a project that was the dancers were apart and I was apart. Mm-hmm. And then the second one I did, they were together, but I wasn't mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And both of those were very challenging and um, sort of frustrating experiences. I didn't necessarily enjoy them. <laughs> I mean, I was enjoying working. That felt good. I mm-hmm. felt purposeful. I felt useful, like an essential worker. <laughs> um, but I was frustrated by the glitching of, of the internet and not being able to show and just, it was, that yeah. whole aspect of it was tough. Yeah. Um, but once we were together again in the space, yeah, the masks were hard. It's very mm-hmm. hard to dance in a mask. Oh, yeah. um, can't breathe the same way. There's also something that close... There's... I don't like using the word trauma. There's, there's something that the mask does that reminds you of that period of that mm. dry spell. Yeah. And, um, and the, the claustrophobia of mm. that... And so I found when I was trying to do, even in a big open dance studio, when I was trying to dance with the mask on, a part of my dancing in my kitchen self was still with me. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I was able to take that off, it was yeah. like nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. And it was almost more, even more liberating mm-hmm. in, from a movement standpoint. But that, that was one of the first things that I started working on. Yeah. I, we can talk about it later probably, but I produced my first show. Yeah. And um, it was really exciting. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe Buck first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll no, circle back. Well, actually, um, I, I, I failed to bring this up, but I worked with uh, Juilliard and Coleman Domingo and um, John Baptiste on the show mm-hmm. that we did. Um, and that was, that was a, a bunch of fun. It was, vir- it was a virtual show. And it was great. Um, but um, one of the things I got back into... Um, during the tail end of it, uh, of the pandemic was um, I got an opportunity to choreograph a TV show called Blind Spotting that's out right now on Stars. You can watch it right now if you have Stars or the Stars app or Amazon. But um, but yeah, it was a it was a great opportunity for me because it was my first um, opportunity to be able to choreograph for a, a whole season of a TV show. You know, not just one episode, but the whole entire season and it was a big um it was a big leap for me because um you know I had to choreograph in different ways you know and and I had to choreograph and help uh actors with their movement in general not just in just dance but their actual movement and mm-hmm. how they moved in certain scenes and how they brought out the emotion in certain scenes so um it was it was it was a different you know it it was very much different from what you know the norm for me, but um, I'm glad I, I had that experience because it helped me a lot and I learned a lot uh, through choreographing that. And it was it was really weird. It was really weird with the mask and mm. just um, 
you know, trying to get things done, you know, because they are very uncomfortable to perform in and to move around in and to try to get my, you know, I'm, I'm a very emotional, as you see right now, I'm very gestural when I talk. <laughs> so I want people to really understand and see what I mean when I'm uh, trying to break things down to them. And it, 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 they made it a, a bit difficult, but um, it was a fun, it was, it was a very fun experience being able to choreograph that TV show. And, um, and it was amazing that they reached out because um, it's so much art within that TV show. It's, it's, it's a TV show like I've never seen before. Like there's so much art embedded into it from verse to dance to, um, you know, poetry. And, um, and, and it was just amazing to be able to work on a show like that that was open enough to give that type of art that chance. You know what I mean? Like it's not a lot of um, TV shows give dance that opportunity to be able to, you know, help push the narrative of mm -hmm. something that doesn't have anything to do with dance, you know, right. further. And, um, and yeah, so that was a great experience yeah. being able to work on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to Lauren's, um, first show she produced, which was just last month. It was called Why It Matters. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of this project and how you got it off the ground? It, it all happened in three weeks. Which is just crazy. Um, but there, we found a venue, um, a couple of friends of mine and I, and it was this incredible deal on a space that was typically, I think we got it for maybe 10% wow. of what it would have cost. Wow. And because of that, I couldn't say no, even though maybe some people in my life thought I should say no because <laughs> I was working on a lot of other things at the time. I was working on the New York City Ballet Moves Tour, Vail. Um, what else? It doesn't matter. Bunch of projects. <laughs> I'm always doing a bunch of projects. Um, but because the space, we had the venue and we would have to create a stage from scratch. Dance had never been there before. We used Spring Studios downtown. And usually they have a lot of fashion events. They have um, the Tribeca Film Festivals there. They do big things. And it's a I've done photo shoots there. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. Mm -hmm. But never for dance. Yeah. And so with a 10% deal, <laughs> uh, I had to jump. And so the I really buckled down on the things I could control. I did a lot of my own choreography in the project because that was something that I knew I could do. I'm pretty fast in the studio. It's one of my gifts. And so I thought, okay, four new ballets, I can do that. That's fine. Just give me the dancers. We'll find the studio space in the city. Um, we'll work enough around the COVID regulations. Luckily, it was in the summer, so things were already starting to open up in New York City. And I really just wanted, I wanted to open up an, an opportunity for the dancers in New York who hadn't performed yet first. Mm -hmm. And to explain a little bit of why I fell back in love with dancing and what I do, and maybe why the dancers that were in my cast why they believe in what they do. Mm -hmm. And so I called it Why It Matters. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, oh, dance can't die, ba especially ballet. Ballet's, it's got heat on it right now. Mm -hmm. And and for good reasons. A lot of the conversations are good conversations to be having. I'm glad we're having them. But it's a lot of negativity on the art. Mm -hmm. And and I love what I do. I love ballet. It's, in some ways, it saved my life, mm -hmm. I think. And, um, so that was the reason I, mm. I decided to do the show. It was crazy. Three weeks, built the stage. We sold out. We got a standing ovation. Nothing went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we, we garnered some incredible support. Um, 
the whole the whole day was magical mm-hmm. and I loved creating that atmosphere for the dancers as well. Yeah. Um, and I would do it again tomorrow mm-hmm. and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love putting the program together, thinking about what pieces would look good after others. Mm-hmm. I worked with my favorite lighting designer who's here in Vail right now, Brandon Baker. I had mm-hmm. wanted to work with him for years. We'd never had the chance. Uh, so I brought him on board and it was just a really good, it was a good, um, test in leadership skills. I learned so much from that. Um, and I can't wait to do it again. Hey. So yeah. yeah. Buck, I'm wondering, do you have any further interest in exploring uh, film and television since that was such a positive experience for you? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yes. Uh, I actually have been. I don't know if anyone knows this about me, but I've been just as into acting as I have been into dancing, you know, for as long as I can remember. And um, and it's been exciting because when I was actually doing choreographing the Blind Spotting TV show, I was blessed enough to be able to be in almost every episode of it. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I got to have so yeah, you'll see my face. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got to have that experience, you know, as an actor and. Um, I've been in a few films where I got to experience that, and I'm taking class from um, some really rock star. I'm, I'm blessed enough to be able to take class and learn from a lot of the rock stars in, in, uh, in film and television, like mm-hmm. Helen Hunt. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've been learning a lot from her. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's just a genius. But um, yeah, I'm really into acting, and um, I was in a film uh, called Emperor about the um, abolitionist John. A- I mean, uh, the abolitionist. Uh, I believe his name is. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong. Is it? It was Shields Green and it was uh, John. Yeah, John Adams, right? Did I say that right? I think so. Yes. Okay, I'm correct. Yeah. It was about Shields Green and John Adams, and um, I was I was blessed enough to car- play a character named Meshack on that. And right now, I'm working. Um, with A24, the production company, on a film that mm. I will be starring in alongside John Boogs. So mm. um, I can't say too much about it, but that's all <laughs> I can say. But, you know, uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just happy to... I think this is the... I wouldn't say transitional phase, but, but this because I'm going to always be a dancer. Mm-hmm. But this is something I've definitely been into for a long time that I'm happy to be able to, um, you know just really get my feet wet in and, and, and start my journey in, in acting because um, I'm always about, I've always done things to really reach the, the youth in Memphis. And I always go back to Memphis and say this, but I mean, I always go back to that because when I was a kid, you know, like I said, it wasn't a lot of opportunity for things like this and for the, art, you know, the arts in Memphis. So a lot of us, you know, we would just go to school and come home and watch TV all the time, to be honest. And, that's why I wanted to, you know, pursue a commercial career so kids can actually see me when they watch TV and, mm-hmm. and say, that, that's a little buck from my block, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of kids in Memphis and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of dancers in Memphis have that Memphis pride. So they mm-hmm. saying, a lot of them saying, oh, I can dance just as good as a little buck. I can do that. <laughs> so they get up and they go out and do things and they go out and try and they go for it and they, and they reach out to me and ask questions and, and I love this. And um, so I just wanted to take that to the next level. Anything dealing with, you know, TV and film, I've, I've naturally been into it. But I'm also into it for the inspirational purposes for, you know, the kids back at home and the kids all over the world who would be able to see someone like me and know where I'm from and, uh, and um, you know, 
maybe they have these thoughts of being an actor or, or these dreams that they don't not really sure that can come true but then when they see me on the screens they you know they know it's a possibility mm-hmm. yeah yeah buck this um element of giving back seems so true to who you are do you have one story in particular that you could share with us maybe about someone that you feel like you've been able to connect with and touch and maybe bring up and introduce to the arts Mm. Maybe too many to think of. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot. There's there's definitely a lot. But um, because um, I grew up such a fan of Memphis Jookin. You know, I was born in Chicago, but I was raised in Memphis. I was raised there since I was eight years old. And so I've always seen this style that came out of Memphis as, you know, this. It was like the grass is greener type of thing. Like, it was just a hobby for a lot of kids in Memphis. But for me, it was everything. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe there were people that can move that way. So um, it's crazy to see my style, my personal style of joking so embedded into the culture right now and a lot of kids actually doing things that I used to do and if not better, you know, <laughs> all the flexibility and everything like that. But there's this one kid in particular, his name is Dream, uh from Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I just love working with this kid because his – he has everything from his attitude. It's so positive, and he has this just positive light about him coming out of Memphis, and he's just so open to dance. And he's still staying true to the jook and roots and to the, the, um, you know, the foundation of, of this street dance because it's so important. But at the same time, he's opened himself up so much. Um, his Instagram is Dream901. If you want to see him, he's a, he's a, I think he's one of the most beautiful street dancers out of Memphis and, and dancers in general because um, he's not afraid to really use his imagination and try things. And that's how I was. He reminds mm-hmm. me so much of myself. There was this one opportunity that I can remember where I flew out a bunch of uh, you know dancers from Memphis to come to New York and have just to have a different experience outside of Memphis. I just right. wanted to do something for them, so I flew out some of the. The OGs of Memphis, some of the um, and some of the young guys, and um, Dram was one of them. And I took him to like the Instagram headquarters, to the Giphy headquarters. I took him <laughs> all over New York, and we just and just had these different experiences. And um, there was this one moment where I knew that he had it. And because when I when I grew up, I loved it so much that I used to be, and I tell these stories all the time. But I used to be outside. Of in the carport, you know, outside of the carport, out in the front yard of my house, and uh, just practicing for hours and mm. hours and hours until like, you know, six o'clock in the morning <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> oh and I'd have to go to school, and uh, it just, I loved it that much. But there was, but this kid, we were in the living room just watching Netflix, just relaxing because we had a long day, and Dram was outside on the balcony of the Airbnb. And he had his headphones in, the, in in his ear, and it was raining. It was raining. He had his headphones and his and his um his hoodie on, and he was just practicing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, he he got you know he he's really committed. Mm-hmm. So six hours go by, <laughs> and he's still outside practicing. Wow! In the rain, <sighs> and that's when I knew that. You know the, the the true effect that I had on um, mm-hmm. on the youth, and it was it was just mm-hmm. it was a it was an incredible moment, and I saw myself in him, and and so I've been trying to my best to mentor him as much as I possibly can, um, and just just give him everything because you know that's that's what we do this for, right? We learn and, right. and we learn to be able to share this 
uh, you know, with the next generation. So I, I think he got it. So Dream D R A E M nine oh one is his Instagram. If you guys have Instagram, please yeah. check him out. He's, he's brilliant. That's such a beautiful story. It's it's interesting. It seems like you two, even though we're from completely different genres of dance, you have a very similar you're similarly minded about what it means to you and how you give it back to other people. So the collaboration that's happening with you two tonight makes total sense in that way. But how did it come about? How did, did Damien decide that you two should work together? No, you did. You did. Ah, <laughs> this needs to I literally talked to Laura and I said, you remember, we, yeah, I, I said, we need to do something together. Like we cannot like, because me and Lauren, has, we, we've collaborated before mm-hmm. on a project uh, with this brilliant artist named JR. Mm-hmm. Um, he does those huge murals, if you haven't seen them, those huge pastings. But we did a project and uh, we did a film uh, called Le Bosquet about uh, his best friend, Lajli, and about you know the whole riots that happened in Paris and mm-hmm. everything like that. We, and it was amazing collaborating with Lauren. And that was one of my first you know, times actually being able to really work with Lauren. And, and um, it's just incredible working with her. You know, she's such a humble performer but also she's such a beast on the dance floor you, know, you gotta respect it so um so it's been oh it's been a while since we actually got to really make something together mm-hmm. you know and um we demanded it from, yeah. from Damien. we told him well you know i definitely hit him up and told him damien we have to work on something so uh in veil so i'm glad that he gave us the opportunity to actually work together mm-hmm. and create this new piece yeah. Tell us, um, so when you maybe first talked to each other, like we should do something together, was there any sort of concept behind it or were you just like, we need to get in the studio together because this is going to be so much fun? Yeah, we don't, we just, we don't even care what we do. <laughs> Give us some music. <laughs> but that's what I love about Buck. We're, we're very similar in this way. If you give us pieces, mm-hmm. we'll put them together somehow creatively and it'll be true to the now and it'll be mm-hmm. true to what we believe. And and the energy's there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we were given our music. And I think it challenged both of us. I mean, it's a new composition. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'd say, more balletic in, in style. I was thinking that I was going to be dipping more into Buck style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one thing I was going to say when you're talking about these different pieces of the puzzle. Two big pieces you have is ballet and then Jukins. You have things that are completely different. So how do you kind of start to marry those? I think we've actually done a good, a we've good, done a good, good. job, personally. <laughs> it is, it is, you, you really do get a balletic feel from it because the music is just so, you know, the music mm-hmm. is really, it has that classical, it has that presence, that balletic presence. And um, so it makes me feel like I want to have this type of posture mm-hmm. and, and all of this. But, you know, I, I got some really great advice and I don't know why, you know, I usually don't let you know, the music take over, like, you know, it, I mean, I let, yeah, I always let the music take over. <laughs> I usually don't let it control, like, the way I move. I usually, you know, complement it with what I do best. Mm-hmm. And I honestly found myself getting lost in, in, in the presence of the music and wanting to, you know, dance a certain way and have a certain gracefulness about me. And I got some really good advice from Justin Peck, actually, who watched. Mm. Because when, when, when Lauren and I were rehearsing, we had zero mirrors. No mirrors. We had zero eyes from the outside in just giving us, you know, letting us know. We had nobody to record it during the beginning, during the first, you know, few days of, uh, you know, rehearsing this. And 
So it was off sheer emotion and off sheer just feeling. Mm-hmm. Like we literally just, if it felt good, then we thought it looked good. Like it, <laughs> we literally were just going off a of feeling. But Justin Peck, you know, he gave me some advice and he, and he watched it. And I told him to be 100% real with me. And he said, <laughs> I think you should, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, stay true to who you, to, to your way of movement, mm-hmm. you know? Even though the, the, the music, you know, makes you want to feel this way or makes you want to move this way, you know, stay true to what you do and, you know, don't try to feel too balletic or, you know, just stay true to what you do because there's a beauty in that, in that um, you know, contrast, that yeah. contrast of movement, mm-hmm. especially to music like this. And, and, you know, ever since he said that, I really, you know, I was like, you know what? He's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I usually don't let this happen, but I'm glad he brought it up. And it was good to have that outside eye looking in, but I think we marry the two styles beautifully together yeah. actually and you'll see a lot i think you'll see a lot of that so you'll see um a lot of different things that you haven't seen me done before but you'll also see a lot of things that you haven't seen lauren do before and mm-hmm. i think that's I, th- I think it's i think we you know it melded it pretty well yeah yeah I, we, we got to see a little preview of the piece on wednesday at up close and i think you're completely right i um it makes sense you even when you're just joking, like it, it's still, you have this like beautiful elegance to you that really complements the ballet style that Lauren is so steeped in. And another thing that is very similar to ballet, I, your ankles and your toes have the like strength that any ballerina would be yes. so envious of. Mm-hmm. But we noticed on Wednesday, we, we didn't see a lot of what, I mean, to my eyes, resembles point work. Mm-hmm. Did you make a conscious choice to let that be Lauren's thing for this? Or was it just you were kind of... I actually did. Okay. I didn't tell her, but... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me that. We but really I actually did. did. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I saw Lauren on point, you know, and she's doing it in point shoes. And I said, you know what? Um... As much as I have fun up there, I I just wanted to, you know, um, I don't know. I, a part of me just felt like I wanted to, you know, explore just, you know, not being up there so much and just, mm-hmm. you know, being able to use. Because in Memphis Jookin, Memphis Jookin is not always about being on your toes. That's an accessory to the style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something that we just do for, you know, because it's fun. But the style is mostly flat-footed and about these steps and about this, the way we glide and the way we use our upper body, actually, and it's bounce to get us from point A to point B. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring more of that out and, um, and not so much of, you know, not as much as of the flair mm-hmm. uh, of being on my toes, you know, in sneakers. And, um, and, but, and I thought, you know, Lauren just, she, you know, she's just brilliant up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why not let her have it? <laughs> Don't stop and being really show that contrast of 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 movement, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was a, you know, I thought it was a, it was a pretty cool choice mm-hmm. on my end personally. Well, well we noticed it. We leaned over and was like, "Buck's not going on point." <laughs> but I think maybe that does go towards what Justin was suggesting to you: was really staying true to yourself, and then Lauren staying true to herself. I also wonder too because you also have some ballet partnering that happens a little bit in there. How familiar? Are you Buck with that? And Lauren, how are you kind of helping to lead him? Well, it's been years. Like I I was a ballet student and I was a I was a part of a company called New Ballet Ensemble for about three years. And back then I was used to partnering mm-hmm. and, and, and actually doing lifts and and uh you know, I haven't done that for so long 
that you know and i and i miss it honestly mm-hmm. yeah. but um i think it was something that i wanted to challenge myself with and it was something that um Loring wasn't afraid to trust me with which mm-hmm. i'm happy about because we we have some beautiful moments mm-hmm. in there and um and yeah i just wanted to you know i personally just wanted to you know experience that again and um and be able to you know just you know kind of and it was for myself but just show my range mm-hmm. you know what i mean range. and not just you know uh, yes i'm a memphis joker and that's what i'm true to but i'm a dancer in general so you know like i said i love to learn and i love to you know try new things and that's something that i know me and lauren have in common we love to learn new things and try new things yes and so um and so it was it was really fun it was really fun having those moments that you'll get to see in the, in the piece yeah right. he did a this lift in particular it's like a bluebird lift uh-huh. that we do often mm-hmm. in ballet but Buck didn't necessarily know how to do it, and I just did my usual thing. And the first time we tried it, he did no hands. <gasps> and I was up there, and I thought, well, wow. We <laughs> 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 didn't have anybody in there to tell us. <laughs> it just, it like just said, happened. Sure feeling. It felt good. It I did. Like, you know what? We just went for it. Yeah. So, and, she was just and I was just there. floating up there. I mean, uh, it, it is trust. Mm-hmm. We yeah. trust each other. We've been friends for how long? A long time. A long time. Like, like what? Over Without aging years? ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I think there is something about that too, that you know, we like trying new things. I know he's not going to drop me, and if he did, you know, he'd do everything he could to save it. It's fine. I know how to fall too. <laughs> So I just feel like we got together in a space and those things did happen. And if we don't get in our own way, it works. Yeah. And Lauren's the reason why I've been working out every morning uh, (laughs) right there in the line (laughs) to make sure that I, that, you know, she can, you know, to to trust that, you know, to, you know, give me that trust that, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't wait to see this collaboration tonight. And I'm sure that the audience can't wait as well. And I'm also sure that they have a few questions for you they might like to ask. So yes. if anyone would like, right here. So I saw part of the rehearsal yesterday. And well, Buck, you had a unique outfit on. Is that what you're going to perform in? Yes, it is. Can you talk about that costume, outfit? Well, the costume, th- that outfit is something that... Um, you know, we were, we were trying to decide what we we're going to wear for the event. And I just brought it up and because I brought this just in case. You know, I thought it was a pretty cool outfit. And I just brought it as an idea. I said, hey, I have this this jumper that um, that I bought in Japan when I was in um, when I was in uh, Harajuku. And I thought it was just a pretty cool one because it had all of these different quotes and writings on it. But when you read a lot of them, there are a lot of things on there that some things that, you know, are funny some things that are things that we would say out loud and some things that are that I find true that we wouldn't say out loud and wouldn't express and it had all of these different gestures of of just life in general you know written and that you know kind of meant a lot to me so um I thought it'd be cool to wear that and um and I thought it'd be a, a you know just a cool contrast of you know this you know, just blank canvas that has all of these different, you know, writings and, and, and elements of, of, of who I am personally on it. It was it was a um it was a custom outfit that uh some guy uh 
handmade in in Japan when I was there. So um, wow. it's a yeah, it's a piece of work. It's a piece of art that you know I think is pretty cool. It means mm. a lot to me. Fantastic. And I'm glad I get to wear it. Very yeah. cool. Right yes. here. So this has, been, this has been an exceptionally profound conversation, mm. and I have an exceptionally trivial question, <laughs> but, I, but I can't help but ask it. Lauren, last night, you were on stage before the performance with three unquestionably, absolutely identical pair of toes. <laughs> <laughs> identical what to you. <laughs> or what, what, how, what, what was the choice you were making? I, I had, they were not identical to me. Right. <laughs> um, I, it, it's, I take a lot of time choosing whatever shoes I'm going to wear for the show based off of what movement style I had to do. And that was for Tyler Peck's piece mm -hmm. that she choreographed here, the thousandth orange. And Tyler does a lot of running around the stage. I really need a full motion, um, feeling almost as if I'm barefoot, like that kind, no edge, but I also need a box cause I have to do all these turns with Roman and certain attitude mm -hmm. moments and so I was trying to pick the perfect shoes for that and the difference was I had a pair that were very very old that I felt super comfortable in but I wasn't sure if they looked pretty and then I had a pair that looked really beautiful but they were a little bit further over than I like to be and so I was testing those out and trying mm. all the steps and seeing which ones would work but did you had you what you done that performance earlier that day 30 minutes before my shoes die very quickly uh. And um, so because I'm going through them constantly, I have to make sure that whatever shoe I'm going to use will last through that show. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't just wear the ones I wore in the afternoon. I don't think they would have lasted for the evening performance. Mm -hmm. And so that's what ended up happening. When you have beautiful feet like Lauren, you have to be very careful, right, to not have ones that are too dead or it can become yeah. a little bit of a dangerous Precarious. situation. Yes. Yeah. Lauren, when you say very, very old, how old are these shoes? Three hours. Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> I, I think the audience very, might be very surprised. Old one week. Yeah, something, <laughs> something like that, right? Uh, right here. Good. Two questions. One for each of you. Uh, Lauren, uh, is the system still trying to turn you into a stick figure, or have you escaped from that? Oh. And for uh, uh, Little Buck, is a few years ago you did something called I think it was called the Swan, and yes. I thought it was really terrific. Are you doing anything more like that? Hmm. Lauren, why don't you go first? Can I go first. Yeah. Um, I have been thinking about this all pandemic because I, I took a lot of time away from dancing, which naturally your body changes when you're not working out every day. We work out for hours a day. And I started feeling my body to my own hands, and I loved the way it felt to have like to have a body to take up space in the world. Mm -hmm. And I started to really contemplate these thoughts, thinking about, okay, well, you know, why, why is it that I end up getting so thin? Is it, is it because I'm just exercising like crazy? Can I be better about how I eat? Is there mental pressure in the game? And I did a lot of questioning in myself and I found that I did have a lot of, um, feelings that I needed to look a certain way for ballet. And so I've been really questioning this. What is the line? Can you make the shapes in the lines? Can you, how, what's a healthy way of going about that? And it's been really telling and not all of it has been easy for me to tackle. I, I notice that when I'm working really hard, I'll skip some meals here and there conveniently because I work really hard and I, I have to really um, keep my eyes on myself to make sure that I'm being healthy and 
what am I showing to the other generations? I am a very naturally thin person, mm-hmm. I will say. I have an extremely fast metabolism. It runs in my family. And it is very difficult for me to actually put on pounds mm-hmm. when I'm working as hard as I do. Right. So it's been something I've questioned a lot. I've been questioning it my entire career, but especially now in myself. And now that I am feeling more of a free agent in every sort of way, it is very liberating. Mm-hmm. I don't spend as much time thinking about how my body looks. I think about how it feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, Buck, about the dying swan. Yes. Um, so the dying swan was a performance that I did because, um, you know, it was a matter of... Um, you know, it it was the mood. Like, everything was right in that moment when I performed that piece. And, um, you know, I feel like just the stars aligned for that moment to happen. You know, when I performed it with Yo-Yo Ma. And, you know, I've done it even during the pandemic. I've, I've done a performance of it in the streets outside because I wanted to just, you know, I don't know if y'all seen that, but I wanted to just, you know, just do something that was inspiring um, and different. But, um that piece is, you know, it was something that was just based off of, you know, the mood and how I feel in that particular moment, you know, when I'm, when I'm performing. But I am, as far as me doing something like that, um, <laughs> I personally don't think it'll ever be anything like that performance. I'm sorry. I have a lot of alarms. Um, <laughs> you know, I try to be as punctual. But, um, but I've been working, I have been working with Caroline Shaw, hmm who's a just brilliant, brilliant composer and, and just creator in general. Uh, she makes these ama- she, she, she just makes these brilliant and beautiful classical pieces of music. And um, I've been very much interested in her work and working with her outside of Vail, uh, you know, and in Vail. You know, I've, I've had a performance with her recently, you know, 38109. And I'm working with her right now on another piece that's kind of similar to the swan. So um, as far as the mood and the way it makes people feel and the way it makes me feel. So um, it's not finished yet. We're really working out the kinks and just, you know, the ideas and throwing the ideas out there and uh, trying to create it. But um, we're in the process of working on something new right now. I love her music so much. I was reaching out through her. I was actually reaching out to Caroline Shaw during like throughout the pandemic. Like, (laughs) what do you have new? (laughs) Send me things. Uh Send me music, please. Because, um, I'm such a big fan of her work. And um, actually, Michelle Dorrance uh, choreographed to one of her pieces before uh, from one of the albums. I think it was called uh, Entrance uh, or something like that. But the music was just the music was just just hypnotizing and mm-hmm. it was beautiful. And I got to perform with Michelle Dorrance on that piece. And I actually took that. The music was so good that I took that music and I, I actually uh, made a little short film. Mm. Uh, and it's on Instagram. It's on my Instagram page right now. But I made a short film to that same uh, music. Um, so yeah, I'm working right now to create, you know, something that has that same mood and that same feel and that same passion that I brought to the Swan with Caroline Shaw. Beautiful. I think we could do one more question right here. I would love to know from both of you guys. You know, um, I think that coming out of the pandemic, a lot of you know careers and people are thinking about what's next. What is the next iteration of their life? What is the next iteration that you would like to see in your respective art forms? 
Yeah. Lauren, do you want to start? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited by what's happening in ballet right now. Um, and I feel more passionate than ever about how I can keep it moving forward. And, and specifically classical ballet. What it looks like, how it can be healthier, but still like maintain that excellence, that refinement. Like, that's what makes it so special. Um, so in my own career, I'm looking for more leadership opportunities for sure. I started a nonprofit. Uh, I want to produce more shows. And I'm thinking about getting a more classical coach for my own training because I know I'm not finished dancing and I, I know there's so much more that I can learn in my own style. And it would be a shame to just throw all of the work away. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about that. When I get back to the city, finding a real coach, somebody that I trust, um, somebody that can push me a little bit further in myself. And then... Um, Finding those other opportunities to grow mm-hmm. as like a, a leader in the field and not, and not being ashamed of that, owning it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I really do. I love speaking. I love public speaking. I love <clears throat> creating those atmospheres. Like I talked about for the dancers and I love creating work. So I have a bunch of choreographic commissions and that I can't speak about mm-hmm. um, that are so thrilling. And I get to choose the music and I get to choose the costume designers and the collaborators. I can choose the dancers even and say, uh, maybe her in the back mm. or that dancer that you might not know what to do with because you don't know where, they are, where they're at mentally or, mm-hmm. um, or they weren't put in any other piece. I just, I love that element of what, what I do and so, yeah, I think that's what's next for me. And I know it's abstract and know that that's vague, but I, I think that's a good thing because mm-hmm. I'm learning how to trust my own gut and my own voice and what I do instead of just relying on the, the feeder that I'm always going to have this next project here and there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fear-based for me. That's me staying in the box because I'm afraid of reaching out into other things. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you're about to see a bunch of, Brave new steps from Lauren Lovett. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, as far as me, um, and I hope I'm answering this question right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Y'all, I'm, uh, no, I'm just, I don't want to be late. <laughs> I'm, ne- I'm not really late. I just don't want to be late. But um, wait a minute. What time is it? I actually have 10 minutes. Uh, oh, well, no, I have, a, I have an important phone call actually about... Okay, this is perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> no. So what I want to do right now and what I'm in the process of is... Um, and me and John Books have this new mission. We have, it's not a new mission, but we have this mission together that we want to help change the perception of street dance in the industry and in, in, in live performance and in, in, in all of it. We want to help change the perception because a lot of people perceive it in, 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 try to, in, a, in a certain way. They try to put it in a box, if you would. And um, like, oh, it's, it's this thing. It's its own thing. And a lot of people don't try to understand a lot about it uh, or uh, that it's actually, you know, extremely technical. And it's not something that we just come out of the gates doing and just, oh, this guy can just move this way because he can just naturally move this way. We want to change the perception of street dance and that it has and that it has in film and television as well, but in live arts. Yeah. 
that's one thing. That's one reason why I love coming to Vail and 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 showing people, you know, just how much we can stretch, you know, like how much of a fine art street dance really is, you know, like I truly believe that street dance is contemporary and it's truest definition of contemporary and that street dance is fine art. And uh, I love, you know, um, being able to show people that. And I've, I've used performances like the Swan and different collaborations like this to just kind of get that door open a bit and show people the, the, um, you know, the true capabilities of what we can do with street dance. But I want people to be able to respect it in its rawest form and where it came from. And, you know, um, just like hip hop, you know, and, and, you know, how street dance and Memphis Jookin and any dance from, you know, these black and brown communities are, you know, created and how they're fine art and how they're just not, you know, some cool thing that these kids can do over here. You know, mm-hmm. I want people to actually have a respect for uh, this movement. And um, and that's what I'm trying to show through film. And that's why I say blind spotting is one of you. If you haven't seen that TV show, it's a really good TV show to watch because um, you get to see this. You get to see us use street, you know, street dance and what we do popping in Memphis Jookin. Um, you get to see us, you know, really help tell stories and push narratives that don't really have anything to do with dance, but have more so to do with, you know, these these real experiences that happen in, in everyday lives that everybody can relate to. And so um, and you're going to really see that in this other film that we're doing with A24 that I can't really talk too much about <laughs> that I have a meeting for in a few sure, minutes. Two minutes. That, and that's the reason why my alarm is going off. But I really want to show people, you know, I really want to push the envelope uh, on, you know, um, on street dance and show people how, you know, it shouldn't be defined as just this one thing that, you know, this, this, this one thing and that it's, you know, it's ultimately fine art and, um, and that it has no boundaries and that it can be used as a tool to break down social and economical boundaries as well. And, um, uh, yeah, that, so that's one of my main missions right now is to just, you know, really show that to the industry. And um, because it's crazy getting into the film industry, like, it's so surprising. I mean, it's not, it's surprising, but it's not at the same time that um, how much people don't know mm-hmm. about, you know, street dance, you know, and, and, these, and these different art forms, you know, other than ballet or classical, I mean, or, or, or you know, or contemporary, these different art forms that you would really see and, and um and um at first when we were doing blind spotting you know the 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 guys who wrote the show you know David Diggs and Rafael Casal uh geniuses they they trusted us with this choreography because they respected what we do with street dance and they knew that it has this power to be able to tell these different stories and push the envelope on uh certain narratives on any narrative you know in storytelling and um but the producers and the executive producers had no clue so they were like you want to put dance in this tv show you want to what like what is like i don't i don't see it like i don't they they only they only visualize dance as a form of entertainment and not something that really pushes a serious narrative and something that can really tell a story and and um and inspire just as much as verse or word or or acting you know can and so um after the you know, after a few episodes and seeing what we've done with it, 
they were in tears. You know what I mean? They they really couldn't believe what we done with it. So I want to continue to do that, and I want to continue to show the industry that, you know, you know. No disrespect to these films at all. I love Step Up and all these different movies that you see out there because they inspire so many kids. But um, there's another side to it than just that sheer entertainment side or just that same story of, you know, dance. Same story that actually never happens of dance saving a neighborhood and, and then the guy gets the girl, you know, and, you know, and having a dance competition that really, you know, to, to raise all this money to, you know, help save the neighborhood that they're trying to shut down. Like it's 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 not just that it's so much bigger than that. And we can do so much more with dance and with street dance in general. And uh, uh, there's so much more to that that we can offer to the world and that's what I'm working on right now is to show people you know the brilliance and 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 you know how street dance is fine art and how we can use that as a tool to really help inspire and create change mm-hmm. well I think that's all we have time for today thank you both so much for joining us and thank you everyone that came out thank you everyone thank you for having us thank you Special thank you to Tom Boyd for producing this episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.